we'll be talking about the purpose of the Word of God. As a matter of fact, seven purposes of the Word of God. The first thing about the Word of God is belief. B-E-L-I-E-F. The Word of God is to be believed. That's the first thing about the Word of God. When the Word of God comes, it needs to be believed first. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectively worketh also in you that believe. Did you see that last part? Which effectively worketh also in you that believe. The word of God works in those that believe. It's important to believe the Word of God. Otherwise, you cannot act on it. You can't act on something that you don't believe. So, the primary reason for the availability of the Word of God to us is that we believe it. We must believe the Word of God because it is true. John chapter 17, verse 17, it says, Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ says. He was praying to the Father when he said this. The word of God is truth. So we've got to believe it completely without a doubt. It is the instruction from our creator, the one who made us. We've got to believe everything written in it. Secondly, we are to act on it. The second purpose of the word of God is action. James chapter 1 verse 22 be a doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. When you hear the word and not do it, the Bible says you are deceiving your own self. It's important that we act on the word of God. The word of God is to be acted upon. If you hear the word and not act on it, it defeats the purpose. You first believe the word of God and you act on it. Speaking of which, the popular line that says faith without works is dead in james chapter 2 verse 26 for as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead also now let me explain what that means a lot of people take it to mean that you have faith in god doesn't mean you shouldn't do other things for example you're looking for money if you don't work you will not get the money a lot of people think if you have faith for God to give you money, you don't do any work for that money to come. The money will not come. That's what faith without work is dead means. But that's not true. While it may be true that money may not come if you do not work for it, that's not what it means. It is erroneously applied when it's used in that context. What faith without works is dead means is that if you have faith and not put the faith to work it is dead it is pointless so if you believe in the word of god and not act on it it is dead now how do you act on the word of god for example look at when the lord jesus walked on water peter said if it is you master bid me come and the lord jesus obliged him and said come so peter had faith that if Jesus walked on water, he could, because Jesus could give him power to do so. And Peter acted on that faith in Christ and stepped on the water. That step 
was a step of faith. And that was how we got his miracle. It's a different thing. It means apply your faith. Act your faith. It doesn't mean hustle. Okay, now that you finish having faith, go and hustle elsewhere. Go and look for something to back the faith up. No. It's the other way around. It's the faith that backs anything else up. It's important that we understand this. I'll give you another example. If you say you are healed, God has healed you, you're feeling somehow in your body, and then you say you are healed, you need to start acting it. Act that belief. Act that faith in God's healing. Rise up and walk. When Jesus says rise up and walk, they rose up and walk. So do that. Don't say, I believe I am healed, and then you stay right, right where you are. So you act your faith. You act your believing. That's what that line means. Faith without work is dead. The third purpose of the Word of God is meditation. Praise the Lord. And we will go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. These are the words of the Lord God Almighty. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Hallelujah. So God wants us to meditate on his word. The word should be on our lips. We have it in our hearts. Always. It may not be loud. You may not speak it out all the time. But it should be in your heart. All the time. God wants us to meditate on his word. Why? Because he doesn't want us to forget it. He wants the word to take root in our hearts. So meditate on it. Every night and day. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He making me to lie down in green pastures. He led me beside the still water. He restores my soul. He leads me the path of righteousness. For he names it. You know, it goes on and on in your mind. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Every time you're meditating. And then you have a response of the word of God for every situation. Meditation. At night before you sleep, you meditate it. In the morning when you wake up, you meditate it. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. So when you meditate, you apply. When you meditate, you act. Why? Because when you meditate, it, that is what you know. That's all that you know. Night and day, this word will not depart out of my mouth. So that's all you know. And that's your response to everything. So you observe to do according to all that is written therein. You do the word because you meditate the word. Because the word is in your heart. Because the word lives in your mouth. Because the word is you and you have become the word, never departing from it. The fourth purpose of the word is prayer. You pray with the word of God. First John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It is very important is the line according to his will. So when we pray to God, it's important that we do it the way he wants us to, according to his will, as he wants us to. So how do you know his will? It's by studying the word of God. It's by knowing the word of God. So when you have the word of God in your mouth, in your heart, in your life, you can pray according to God's will. You can talk to God. You can communicate with God according to his will. For example, sometimes what we ask of God is not God's will for us. So how else do you know God's will for you? It's the word of God that tells you God's will for you. So when you know God's will for you, you can pray according to the will of God. So it's important to know the word of God. And the word of God is there to teach us God's will, to bring God's will into our hearts. So we pray in that line. And then as we see in First John chapter 5, 
that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Praise the Lord. Number five, worship and praise. It is important to praise and worship the Lord with the knowledge of his word. There are lots of gospel music, quote-unquote, gospel music that are not, in fact, gospel music. How do you know? The words are not in line with the word of God. A lot of praise and worship is done in ignorance of the word of God. So you can imagine, if you praise and worship in ignorance, is it accepted? Because our worship and praise is a sacrifice that we render to God. It is an offering that we give to God. So if we give God what is not right, He will reject it. So the way to know how to worship and praise, the way to know what to worship and praise, when to worship and praise, if to worship and praise at all, is with the Word of God. Knowledge of the Word of God is going to guide you. The things that are to be said to God. The things that are to be said about God. So you have the Bible. You can see who God is. You can see what God has done. Both in your life and in the lives of the men of old in the Bible. So this knowledge equips you for ultimate worship experience. Praise the Lord. Number six. Lifestyle. To influence our lifestyle. To dictate our lifestyle. To tell us what to do. When to do it. How to do it. If to do it at all. The word of God forms our doctrine. The word of God forms our values. Our morals. Our desires. Our whole being. Acts chapter 17 verse 28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. So our lives are in him. Everything about us, in him, in Christ. So the word of God is what dictates our actions. Are we to retaliate? The word of God that tells us. Are we to fight? The word of God that tells us. What are we supposed to do? The word of God tells us. When are we supposed to do it? The word of God tells us. So it informs our lifestyle. That is why the rules of the human society may not necessarily apply to us. Because the word of God is different from what informs the lifestyle of the people of the world. So you cannot, as a Christian, live like the world. We live by the word. Praise the Lord. So the word of God informs our lifestyle. Number seven. And to me, the most important, the purpose of the Word of God is teaching. This is one of the reasons that we have the Word of God available to us so that we can teach others. When you study the Word of God, you will be inspired to share it. You cannot study the Word of God, believe the Word of God, and remain silent in your comfort zone. No way. The Word of God motivates you. It pushes you. It spurs you to action. If anything about the Word of God does not influence you, the death of Christ and the circumstances surrounding it should break you and make you want to tell others about Him. An innocent man dying for no reason. All he did was love. All he did 
was teach. John chapter 10, verse 31. Paul says, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do ye stone me? Just imagine. He was fed up and he had to confront them. Why do you want to stone me to death? Why do you want to kill me so much? This is not the first time, not the second time. You've been, you've been after my life for such a long time. Why do you hate me so much? What had the Lord Jesus Christ done to warrant what he faced? The gruesome death, broad daylight murder. What did he do? See, he only did good things for them. He healed their sick. He even raised someone from the dead. He fed them. And these are the things that are documented. Imagine the other things that are not documented. He did all manner of good things. Yet they were after him. He had to ask them, why do people hate me so much? What have I done to you? Yeah, I know I'm going to die. I know I came here to die, but I'd like to know. Why do you hate me so much? And of course, eventually, they found a way to kill him. Killed him in wickedness. The worst way ever to kill a man at that time. By crucifixion. They gave him the worst death ever. They could have just beheaded him as they did John the Baptist. But no. They wanted to have fun with him. They wanted to punish him. They wanted him to feel the pain. For what? What did he do? If this does not inspire you to teach people about the Lord Jesus Christ. To tell people. I don't know what else will. He suffered a great deal for this salvation that we now freely have. Make no mistake about it. This oneness that we have in God was not available until the Lord Jesus Christ came. Before the Lord Jesus Christ came, we were described as Gentiles. Gentiles, that's what we were. Only the people of Israel were God's chosen people. Everybody else was not in the plan. But the Lord Jesus Christ came and brought salvation to the world. So why would you not be inspired to tell people about him. That's the seventh reason for the word of God. To be shared, to be spread, to be taught. And you cannot teach what you don't know. So you need to have the word of God in you to teach others.